is absolutely wild as Vern Gagne's all-star wrestling goes coast to coast and continent to continent. The greatest wrestlers in the world. He may be an apprentice carpenter, but I guarantee you he is a seasoned ring veteran. I've been hit with bar stools, bar rags, bar mates. I'm talking to you. They're scared that Hulkamania is still running wild. I got a big fat wife and nine kids at home, and I got to feed them. And take a look at Jesse the Body in real life. Open your hand once if you would. You want to see it? (laughs) This is absolutely unbelievable. Totally, completely out of control. He's coming in over the top. Hey, look out! You know, when I see that open, I actually do have a question that I'm going to pose to Joe Chupik when we get to that point. But we're not there yet because we're at the intro. You see, my name is Chris Tubbs. This is AWA Unleashed, the preeminent number one podcast dedicated to telling the stories and reliving the memories of what we consider to be one of the greatest territories in the history of the professional wrestling business, the American Wrestling Association. You can see uh, my name is Chris Tubbs. I am there. I am here. That is Polish Joe. He is there. That is Mick Karch. He is there. And here's my here's my thing about the about the intro. Just watching the little clip with Vern Gagne putting the sleeper hole in. That is very clearly a choke. No. So no. no. Why? I mean, Vern, Vern was such a good guy and revered, but he was choking the guy. Come on. Nope. Ganya, the Ganya sleeper did not choke. The Oriental sleeper on Bachwinkle, that was a choke. So here's here's my question to you, Chris, because you're certainly, uh, you know, in line with what I'm thinking. If yeah. you're going to take the word of Polish Joe Chupik over that of Bobby Heenan and Nick mm-hmm. Bachwinkle, come on. You're doing it wrong. Come <laughs> on. I don't know where you get your news from, okay? But if I had the Heenan, uh, Heenan Television Network... HTV, that's where I'm going. Bobby I'm going was a broadcast, broadcast He was a broadcast journalist, journalist yes. Right. I'm going by what the referee, you know, hey, they never called Vern's hold a choke. They were bought off. Never, never. Are you saying that professional wrestling can be, a, a, a professional wrestling match can be influenced by outside sources? I'm telling you that Marty, uh, Marty Miller and uh, his like, Dennis Stamp and whoever else they threw in there, they were bought off by, by Vern Gagne. Yeah, I mean, when you're the boss, you got My the My life boss. is over. My life is over. Well. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was over when I started doing the podcast. <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. Well, we don't want your life to be over because this is going to be a really fun show, guys. Um, the topic this week is Ray the Crippler Stevens. Uh-huh. And Joe, y- you are a big, big fan of his. Mick, I know you're a fan. I never got a chance to see him because of my age range. But this is the reason why I wanted to do the podcast. This is one of the perfect examples of why I wanted to do this podcast. Because I hear the name Ray the Crippler Stevens. But not really knowing a lot about him. I know the Heenan family. I know, you know, his connection with Pat Patterson. I know the very basics. But we're going to go in a little bit deeper and more specifically the AWA connections. So 
We're going to get into that in uh, just a couple of minutes. But before we do, we do have some business to take care of. Uh, I'm going to put some information at the bottom of the screen. You guys have heard it before. But the, uh, the one thing we do want to do is we want to tell you guys all about the brand new membership plan because there's a little bit of confusion. When you sign up for a membership, that's not the same as being a subscriber to the channel. The subscriber is just hitting a button and you get the notifications, you get the, you know, you get all the videos, the, the weekly episodes that we do that we are going to continue to keep doing. We're, we're going to keep doing that. that. There's no question. But the memberships, there are things that we want to do and things that we're going to do, but it requires a little bit more elbow grease on our end. And to make sure that we can do it, we've got a couple of memberships. $2.99 or $4.99 a month. Guys, you're going to get the live chat. You're going to get a, a, a magnet and a sticker and a handwritten note from me, which might not seem like that big of a deal, but I'm willing to do it. Like, I will send you a personalized letter to you specifically. Not something that's going to be typed. I mean, I'm going to sit and write it. And if you can decipher it, that's great. But I will send it to you. You're going to get the podcast a day early. But we've got some extra things, guys, that we are going to include, but they're going to be membership exclusive. And I'm telling you, for $4.99 a month, we're not salespeople. But I feel like you guys are going to be really, really happy if you do indeed sign up. There's no question. And Joe, you know, Chris said it so well. We're not salespeople. We're not, we're not shilling anything here. This is fun stuff, and it gets the people an opportunity to interact with us more than what you see on the podcast. And we've had so much fun with the live chats and the watch-alongs, and well worth it. For God's sakes, it's a you know less than a McDonald's meal a month, you know, and and you won't get fat. You will not get fat if you sign. You get fat on information. They're perfect. Yeah. You are a sales guy. That was a good one. Like that. Chris, yeah. you had said that there's things that we would like to do. We already have done them in January. And That's true. I have to yeah. say that the feedback and the response that we've gotten, um, so I, I don't want to say surprised me, but I'm very happily surprised at all of the great feedback, not just good, that we have gotten. Uh, I really enjoyed doing the watch along. Uh, it just... It, mainly watching it with you guys and presenting it to the audience. I feel like I'm with my buddies sitting around the cabin on an annual trip, might've had a drink or 12 already, probably a couple of gummies and just talking about old school wrestling. That's what it felt like doing that first one. I felt like I was just hanging out with, well, with, with friends, excluding Karch. <laughs> oh, you're looking for your cat, Mick. I haven't, I haven't seen her. I've been looking for your cat, too. Cat's sleeping on the bed, and that's where she'll stay after I gave her a couple of gummies. What, you didn't book her? <laughs> Not yet. But, yes, subscribe. You get some special stuff that we don't do here on the podcast. Um, watch-alongs are my favorite. And, uh, hey, can't wait to see you. Sign up, join up. Let's do this. There you go. Perfect. I don't think you, I don't think you guys are going to be disappointed. Again, four ninety nine a month. 
you're going to get exclusive interviews, the watch alongs, the live chat. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys for five bucks. I mean, it well, well worth it. We promise you that we've tried not to let you guys down over the last two years. I know that we have, but don't let that dissuade you from doing what we would like you to do in the future. Oh, come well, on. it wasn't our fault that we brought Chupik on the air. I mean, we were kind of boxed in at a certain point, you know, no, had, no. Had I I wanted to bring I wanted to bring Joe in. Speaking of Joe, uh, do we want to do the um, we want to do the acknowledgments first, and then um, get into the the pictures and kind of what happened last weekend? Because I I want to make sure that we we give our uh, our acknowledgments uh, for the couple of things right off the top. You know, we we kind of escaped the. Uh... The, the drama and the morose for a, a little while there, but we have a couple of passings that uh, we want to acknowledge. Uh, one of them was a longtime wrestling fan and a contributor uh, on Facebook pages, listen to the podcast all the time, uh, had correspondence everywhere. And that's our buddy, Scott Kangas. Uh, Scott passed away uh, just recently. Uh, very, very sad to hear that. He was, as I say, a regular contributor and loved old school. So to the family and friends of Scott Kangas, uh, we send our deepest sympathies. Uh, it, it, sh it shocked me a little bit when I got the email and I saw it. I was like, that couldn't have been Scott. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it, it was Scott. Because, yeah, you're right. He, he was all over the place. I mean, if, you're, if you've seen us on Facebook or YouTube, wherever, like you saw his name, you saw him commenting and interacting with it all the time all the time so he will be sorely missed and scott uh, fly high buddy thank you for all your all your contributions and friendship and the other passing this this one hits home with me um, as an old school guy and that is uh chris markoff and uh chris had had a stroke a uh, couple of strokes i believe uh, just recently and the prognosis had not been good uh, but still, when you get the news that one of the old school guys, and there he is, Chris Markoff, uh, has passed, uh, this one really hurt. Not only because I was watching Chris as a teenager, and of course, he was that third Dolly sister, uh, as the Crusher called him. Uh, he was the Sweet Lips Christine to go along with uh, uh, Larry Hennig and Harley Race, Gertrude and Sylvia. But in all sincerity, Chris Markoff, a tremendous veteran of this business. He went everywhere and he did everything. And that is not hyperbole. Uh, Markoff, you know, he made a vent at virtually every territory he ever wrestled in. Uh, here in the AWA, he came in and out over several years. I worked with Chris on some independent promotions up in Winnipeg, Canada. Um, great great guy and i know joe you had a, a family connection uh with chris markoff uh, this is a, another great awa veteran gone and man the numbers are dwindling so fast yeah chris uh and his wife were a part of the polish national alliance in northeast minneapolis and that's where uh, i got to meet chris i was oh gosh probably maybe eight, nine years old uh, when I first met him. And I remember seeing him show up to the first meeting and was scared shitless. I mean, it's, it's, 
Chris Markoff, professional wrestler, guy that I've been booing for all of this time. And I remember thinking, hope he doesn't remember or know that I was booing him. You know, a young, impressionable kid. And, uh, you know, that's just your thought process. Um, but in honor of uh, of Chris, on, and they were, the connection was so strong with my parents. Not that they were best friends, mm-hmm. but... Chris and his wife were invited to my wedding. They were invited to my brother John's wedding uh, as well. But when I hear Chris Markoff's name or see him, uh, I just think that that line that he always had in his promos, Darashan's day is coming. You know, and I again, I never understood because no sooner did he get the words out of his mouth, day is coming, they are here. Well... <laughs> I don't know how the hell, you know, did, did you transport them? I, I, I don't get it. Uh, and, and, and Chris, of course, you know, another couple of, he would always talk to uh, about the crusher and he would say, crusher for every kick and for every punch, I got to give you double. <laughs> and uh, just a great veteran. I will miss Chris Markov tremendously. Uh, wrestling has lost a superstar. You know, when you do a show like ours, we're, we're, we're talking about the AWA. It has not been in existence as a organization running live cards since 1991, 33 years. And Mick, you've said it in other podcasts. It seems like every week we're paying tribute to another great that we've lost. It, 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 obviously, it, we, we can't change time we can't stop time it's just it's obviously sad but in a shameless plug i'm glad that we can at least pay them the honor and the tribute that they deserve for entertaining us for all of those years so for chris for all of the others for even scott that passed away uh, you may not have entertained us in the ring, Scott, but you entertained us by posting a lot to AWA mm-hmm. Unleashed. Uh, Chris Markoff never posted, but we saw him in the promos. We saw him as a manager. We saw him as a wrestler. We saw him as somebody who I hated growing up and scared shitless when I first met him. So for all of that, thank you and rest in peace. Well, let's make a, a transition from someone that entertained us to uh, someone that entertained me as a kid. And one of the reasons why, another reason why I wanted to do this is a, uh, a member of, there are two, you know, the whole royal family of wrestling. To me, you got two families in Minnesota. Got a chance to, uh, to really meet both of them this weekend. Number one, the Hedigs. Uh, Lenise and Hank, we hung out, closed down, you know, I, I mean, I hadn't been out that long in a long time, uh, felt it on Sunday, but absolutely loved it. Wouldn't change it for, uh, for thing. But then, uh, we also had a chance, a couple of things here. Um, I'm going to put this up because kind of tell us where we were all at last Saturday and trust, we will get to Ray Stevens, but I, hopefully this will answer some questions for everybody. We, uh, we were at uh, the St. Croix Casino in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, part of a Midwest All-Star Wrestling promotion. 
And MAW, first of all, great lineup again. What a great shot that is. Now, that is uh, Polish Joe, Greg Ganya, myself, and, of course, our uh, our lead dog here, uh, Chris Tubbs. And there's a chronological to this, too. You you are going to see... In re in, in you are going to see how things transpired and hopefully we'll answer some questions. Exactly. And, you know, this is started out so innocently uh, and then all, you know, it, it kind of went to hell after that. You know, we didn't anticipate well, it. No, I, I, I have to say before that happened, I mean, here's I love this picture. This is so good. You know, I posted, sorry, Mick, I posted this on Facebook and as, after I took the picture or got the picture taken, it dawned on me. I've known Greg for nearly 39 years and I do not recall ever having a single photo with Greg Gagne. And I, I get it. I mean, I, I've seen Greg so many times, talked to him. It's just, uh, he's just a friend, a colleague, somebody that I've known and seen over and over and never thought about taking pictures. Mm -hmm. This is a reminder to you all out there in this world of having a camera in your hand at all times, take the pictures, Absolutely. take the videos. They are memories. I look back at my time in the AWA and all of the talent that I had the extreme fortune of working with, I got shit for pictures. I think I got like three or four pictures of my time with the AWA. And you either had a Kodak disposable camera or a, a real camera to lug around. It's not something that you thought of even bringing much, at least I didn't. Mm -hmm. But in hindsight, yeah, I fucked up. I, I wish I would have had about 20 of those Kodak disposable cameras and, you know, have 10 out of 24 actually develop properly and not look blurry and yeah. shit. But that yeah. still would have been 10 more than I currently have. Um, so anyway, that's just a little backstory behind that. It was great to see Greg, uh, you know, former boss, uh, former partner in the AWA and now I'm partners uh, with him and several others in Powertown Wrestling, wrestling action figures, cheap, shameless plug. You can sort of see them, some of them in my back shoulder, but it was good. It, it was good. I was glad to have finally gotten that picture with, with Greg. You know, when, and, when Chris and I looked at that picture, yeah. I, I the first thing that came to our mind, Chris, you remember this? Yes, I remember it vividly. I remember the comment and it popped me. Yep. We have two high flyers. Uh, one was in the wrestling ring. And then if you would have been at the bar at the uh, St. Croix Casino later on in the evening, you would have seen the second high flyer, uh, the, the Polish high flyer. Uh, didn't quite get off the ground for a drop kick, although he came very close to being on the ground himself. Um, so you had uh, Chupik and Gagne, the... Uh, the modern day and the old school high flyer. Yeah. Hey, kettle. What are you calling the pot black for? What are you talking about? I had a Coca-Cola and I had a glass of water. Uh-huh. And I got a small chin. <laughs> All right. I'm you glad went. you said chin. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but for those that are asking, the biggest question we have gotten 
maybe since we started this podcast, I get it all the time. Mick, you get it all the time. Joe, you know, you had somebody ask over the weekend, have you talked to Greg Ganya? Are you going to get Greg Ganya on the show? I would love to get Greg Ganya on the show. And I told him as such, I'm like, I am a big fan of yours. I would love to get you on the program. However, this was the response by Greg. For you know, whatever was, reason, I, he decided I, that he was going to choke me. Not the Vern Gagne sleeper choke, but he, and he's enjoying it. So for those that are wondering if Greg's going to be on the show, I'm still hurt. I, I'm not going to hold any ill feelings towards Greg, even though I was traumatized deeply and it made me very sad. I'm still going to effort, but that was Greg's response. Chris, we were right there. I heard you. You said nothing out of line. You just said, Greg, I've been a fan for a long time. Man, you are the greatest. We would love to get you on our AWA Unleashed podcast. The man snapped. Uh, you can see the maniacal look on his face as he's enjoying uh, wiggling your Adam's apple around there and, and moving it to another position. I was and, shocked. Uh, oh, it was horrible. It was. It horrible. wasn't even. It wasn't even about the T-shirt that I was wearing. I mean, that was a whole another level. Like, well, that I didn't had. help. That no, that did didn't. not help. Uh, and the interesting thing is the the bystanders, the onlookers, several hundred, were cheering him on, and that I didn't understand at all. But uh, you can see Greg on you. He's kind of lost it there, Greg, and and he's got that grin on his face. But he's clearly not there. And had there been another couple of minutes, you would have been not been there. So it's uh, very interesting. I'm thankful to be here. I'm 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 grateful to be alive today. I, I'm with you, and and uh, God bless you. You're here. You made it through the trauma, and live to fight another day. I think we need to have a rematch, Chris. I think uh, I think you could take them. Yeah, let's oh, put no. you and Barry Darso in the semifinal. See how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Easy. It's going to be me, me and Barry enough. versus Joe. And, well, I, I know that uh, I'll be on the outside. I'll be the anchor of the team on the outside. Are we going to talk Ray Stevens at I th- all today? I think we will. But, yeah, uh, yeah we will. We're, we talked to Greg. had a great conversation with Greg. What a super good dude. Oh. Super good. Dude. I loved meeting him. And uh, he's a good dude. Really, He'll be on really the show. Dude. We'll get him. We'll and get we're him. still working on getting Greg on the show. Yep. For yep. anybody that's curious, it's yep. it's not over. It's not over. The fat carch isn't singing. I mean, the fat lady's not singing yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we're about twenty minutes in, hopefully you guys, you know, we kind of set the stage for it. It was just there was a lot of stuff that that happened, you know, outside of the podcast. So. Let's get to it, guys. Uh, I'm going to let you guys kind of, well, first of all, let's kind of kick it off because I know you guys are going to to carry a majority of this. I want to just ask you guys, Ray Stevens, um, just your your overall impressions of the man that they called the Crippler. I will talk about Ray the Wrestler first, and, and Joe, of course, had more contact with Ray on a personal level than I did. Ray Stevens is one of the greatest in-ring performers that ever lived. And that's just not my opinion. That is the opinion of the guys that worked with him. That is the opinion of old school wrestlers who understood the business. He was a trendsetter. 
He was a, a ring general. He was a magician in the ring. At one time, he was one of the most hated wrestlers in the country, and that is no BS. In a time when the business was believable to a lot of people, Ray Stevens was as big a heel and as vile a heel as anybody. And when he turned babyface, as he did on occasion in, in some of the territories, he was over huge. Uh, but the point that I want to make is if Ray Stevens is not in your Hall of Fame as a wrestler, your Hall of Fame ain't shit. Uh, Ray Stevens is one of the greatest of all time. Top three, top four, no question about it. As he liked to say, I'm a trucker, a fighter, and a wild bull rider. Ray, the wrestler, Mick, you hit it right on the head. Uh, he is truly one of the greats. He is truly a legend in the business. And that word legend gets passed around much more than it should be. It is more than well-deserved when it comes to Ray the Crippler Stevens. He was, he was old school to me in the way, from the way he worked in the ring to the way that he did his promos. He wasn't the polished Nick Bockwinkle. He wasn't the comedic foil of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Ray was just a badass that would call Billy Robinson, the old cockeyed coal miner, but do it in a way that when I, when I watched an old school Ray interview, I felt like I was at a bar watching somebody talking to somebody else that's about to fuck them up. And that, that was, <laughs> that was just the way Ray did his promos. Uh, I'm not going to say Ray was the greatest promo of all time, but he was damn good at what he did and how he did it. Joe, I will take a Ray Stevens non-scripted promo going out there and calling guys names and insulting Larry Hennig's family and his wife and his kids and his dog and his neighbors and everything else over a any promo today. Um, Ray was so good. And look at him there. Look, look, look at the... Now, the right after guy. this, right after he makes this, he was going to go into somebody's face, call him a cockeyed coal miner and beat the shit out of him just... Hey, I'm at a bar. Why not? Let's do it. Well, and look, I want to clarify too, guys. Like, he had a great career, but we're talking about specifically the AWA years. So, exactly. I, exactly. I want to I, I want to make sure that that that's clear to everybody because his career, I, I mean, spanned many many years and and several territories. But again, like usual, we want to focus on Minneapolis. Chris, forty-two years, forty-two years, four in the decades. And and there was so, so how how old was he then when he got into the business? Let me just 15. I just want the man 15. was fifteen years old and, and lied uh, so that he could wrestle. There you go. And and I mean it was just it was just extraordinary. Look at that. Look at that shot of a young Ray Stevens there. He looks like he could be part of a nineteen fifties rock and roll band. I mean that that was the the kind of guy. He was so innovative. I, if you look at the, the upside-down flip into the turnbuckle that virtually everybody is doing these days, and it's so choreographed. I mean, when Charlotte Flair does it, you can smell it a mile away. 
Ray was the first guy who did it, and he it was shock value back then. He would just go flying into that turnbuckle and up and over. Uh, amazing. His bombs away, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more uh, later on as it relates to Dr. X. That's that jump off the top rope and his knee drop off the top rope. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. is doing it now, the high-flying lucha stuff. I mean, a, a simple jump off the top rope doesn't mean anything anymore, unfortunately. When Ray did it, he did it with a vengeance, and he was putting guys out of the business. He innovated there. Uh, I, I can't begin to tell you how great Ray Stevens was. It's that simple in a nutshell. So what about before he got to Minneapolis? I mean, what part of his career, you know, because you said that he wrestled for 42 years. Where was he at before Minneapolis? I mean, at what point in his life did he make it here? Ray arrived here in 1971. So he had been around a long, long time already, but he had been everywhere, primarily on the West Coast. Uh, Ray Stevens was legendary in San Francisco. As a matter of fact, uh, in the 1990s, as I understand it, the mayors of both Oakland, California, and San Francisco uh, recognized a Ray Stevens Day in honor of Ray. Uh, That was primarily where he went, but he went everywhere. He was in Mid-Atlantic, of course. He was in WWE later on, but primarily before he came to the AWA, he was in San Francisco. Now, this picture is tremendous. Uh, That says the Stephen, well, Stevens brothers, that's Ray Stevens and Don Fargo, and uh, they wrestled as the Stevens brothers. Uh, you know, Ray, of course, teamed up with uh, promoter Roy Shire in San Francisco as the Shire brothers. Um, it, he did everything, and it was out in the West Coast area that he kind of made his first connection with Nick Bockwinkel. They knew each other for years and years from wrestling on the West Coast. But if you, you again, go to Google, you can look at the championships that Ray Stevens won in this business both before and after he was in the AWA. And uh, it, it's just legendary. I think we kind of want to focus on, on more Ray the man and his overall impact and his legacy in wrestling. Uh, Mick, sorry, I was looking something up, so I didn't get the full gist of what you said. But when you talk talked about San Francisco, Ray Stevens and the Cow Palace, yes. did you bring up that? He held the record for selling out the Cow Palace. I did not, not just one time, but time after time after time. People paid their money to want to see him get his ass kicked. That's how good he was. He was so tremendous. And when you mentioned something like that, Joe, you know, with, with Ray selling out the Cow Palace, it's like Bruno Sammartino in New York and Madison Square Garden. Folks, I can't, I just can't this get this point across how phenomenal Ray Stevens was. And that is classic Ray. I mean, that is one of uh, Ray's great all-time uh, promo shots. A legendary tough guy, as you said. But to your point, Chris, he had done a lot before he came to the AWA. In 1971, June, uh, July 24. 1971 is when he uh, he debuted in the AWA at the Minneapolis Auditorium, and they made the, the Bockwinkel-Stevens connection for the first time. So before we get into the tag team aspect of Ray, uh, he was a very accomplished singles wrestler, of course. 
uh, Red Bastine, uh, Jeff Ports, Wahoo McDaniel, the magnificent Don Morocco. Uh, he had a ton of feuds. Mick, a question for you. What was your favorite singles feud that Ray had in the AWA, excluding Nick Bockwinkel? Let's, I, want, I don't want to get to the turn period yet. Let's talk about the younger. Well, well. first of all, his feud with Nick was not one of my favorites. It was one of my least favorites, just from, from an emotional standpoint. <laughs> uh, they, they split up the tag team for the storyline. But his matches with Red Bastine were sensational, as were his matches with Billy Robinson. Now, Red is another West Coast guy. So he and Ray were extremely close friends. Uh, Nick, Ray, and Red were, were great friends. So they had that, that chemistry and that camaraderie. You mentioned Billy Robinson calling him the cockeyed coal miner. Their one-on-one -on -one matches were terrific. Ray would get into the ring with a guy like Don Morocco, who you mentioned, uh, you know, just breaking into the business. And you're in the ring with the master. And I know, Chris, this is one of your favorite pictures. Look at that. Uh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I, I absolutely, I do. I, I love that picture because that is genuinely happy and guys that are enjoying themselves. And, and it's not stage. It's not a promo. I, I feel like those are three guys that are just having the time of their lives with two of their best friends with them. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the friendship. And, of course, Bockwinkle and Stevens, Red Bastine and the Crusher, uh, had tremendous feuds. Uh, the, the feud with Red here in the AWA, both with Nick and Ray, was tremendous and classic. But if that isn't old-school camaraderie, if that is an old school friendship and it, it's, it's an emotional picture for me because these guys are all gone and they epitomize old school greatness in pro wrestling. I can't help but look at that picture and wonder one of two things, what they had just done as a rib on somebody or what they were just planning to do to somebody. <laughs> Any idea where that photo was taken, Mick? I would guess uh, it, I would think a Cauliflower Alley event, although, yeah, I mean, it made sense, uh, but then it looks like it could be a little bit later than that, judging by, you know, Red's appearance. Uh, I don't know where that was taken, obviously, you know, maybe a fan convention or something, but the camaraderie there and the sheer love between these guys, I mean, that's what it was all about. And yet they could get into a ring and have you convinced all the way up to section 221 in the balcony that these guys absolutely detested each other. The magic of old school wrestling. Yeah, my just a guess. I want to say that photo would have been from maybe the early 80s. Just looking okay. at the, looking at how good Ray still looked. Because yeah. Ray passed away. He was young. He was only 60 years old when he passed away, uh, 1996, I believe. Correct. Correct. Uh, and Ray there, I mean, you look at Nick, they both look, well, but all three of them look like they could still wrestle. But anyway, that aside, we got so much more to talk about, Ray. I brought up earlier um, the cockeyed coal miner. I still, I've, I use that in a, 
uh, a, a classic AWA pay-per-view that I produced. Absolutely phenomenal. I, 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 I still laugh when I watch that promo now. But Mick, there was another one. You brought it up earlier, the interview uh, against Larry the Axe Henning. Go in a little more detail. And, and, I, and I love that you mentioned this to uh, Lanice and Hank when we were hanging out over the weekend. You said this to them, and I, I thought it was it, it popped me. I mean, it, it absolutely <laughs> did. I love this line. I love this, what you're about to tell us. Well, you know, like Joe said, Ray, would he was a tough guy, and he didn't care. I mean, he, this is the kind of insult that he would give a guy in a bar or at a poker game or whatever. Uh, Ray came out on television in the midst, and this is after Larry Hennig had turned babyface, by the way. So we have to put that all in context. So, you know, Ray and Nick, they're, they're none too happy with Larry Hennig, the turncoat, the Judas. By the way, that picture, before we, uh, we go into the quote, that was at the old Calhoun Beach Hotel in Minneapolis. I took that shot, I believe, in 1971, right after Ray had gotten here. I recognize that lovely wallpaper in the back. Uh, that's where they did the old uh, WTCN-TV studio tapings of All-Star Wrestling. But in the midst of this feud, and when Ray gave a, a promo, Joe, you'll remember this, he kind of talked out of the side of his face. Yeah, he kind of did, did one of those. And so so envision that, ladies and gentlemen. And Ray, and Ray says, I can't stand Larry Hennig. I can't stand his wife. I don't like his kids. And as a matter of fact, I hate his dog. And we've talked about this before. How how bad can you hate somebody and his family when you invoke his dog? I mean, that might have that might have sold another thousand tickets right there from the ASPCA lovers around the country. I mean, it, but this was so typical of Ray Stevens. He would just go down to the bottom of the barrel, just pull out an insult. But he, it wasn't like Bobby Heenan, who had a little comedic edge to the insult. Ray Stevens was outright insulting a guy and classic. I got to believe that after that promo, Marty O'Neill did not have to say, run, don't walk, get your tickets now. Uh, people were going to flood down there. Uh, but even without the promo, if it was Ray, Nick, Bobby Heenan, it was going to sell out. It just was. I mean, Ray Stevens, I can't stress it enough. He was as good as it got for old school wrestling. We got a picture right up there of Wrestling Review. And back in the day, back in the 1960s, when wrestling magazines were really the thing, long before internet and dirt sheets and what have you, um, Ray Stevens graced the cover of wrestling magazines probably as much or more than anybody in the business. And this is before, you know, the WWE or WWF took hold. So, Bruno Sammartino was kind of the focus after that. It was kind of New York-based. But Ray Stevens, he was a cover, cover boy for many, many. There's another one. And we talk about Ray Stevens and the bombs away. And that's his, uh, his signature move from the top rope. And if you saw the original movie, The Wrestler, uh, Ray Stevens goes by his own name in that movie. And there is a... Uh, a film scenario against Joe Scarpello, who used the name Jack Cutter as a wrestler in that uh, in that movie. And Ray jumps off the top rope with his bombs away right on the throat of Jack Cutter. And the storyline is in the movie is that 
he killed Jack Cutter. Uh, unintentionally, you, you would hope. But nonetheless, uh, and then the, the the sports writers are all over it. How did this happen? This is a, a you know a fake sport, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that Bob's away from Ray Stevens was legendary. It was the one of the moves, one of the most celebrated moves in the business back in the golden age. Well, and if I'm remembering correctly, he used that move on Dr. X and hurt him badly. And because of that, the rule got implemented into the AWA that you could not go off the top rope any longer. It was an automatic disqualification. Of course, when the referee's back is turned, that dastardly Ray Stevens would still do the bombs away to injure his opponent. That bastard. That bastard, that that SOB, and there, boy, there's the shot. There, there's the setup. There, uh, Doctor X was just turning babyface in the AWA. I believe this is 1972, and uh, there's a there's a match on television where Larry Hennig and Doctor X, I believe, were teaming up. That's Dennis Stamp, by the way, the uh, the late Dennis Stamp, the referee. And Dr. X, of course, has had a little bit of a change of heart at this point, and he points out to the referee that Larry Hennig had used a foreign object in his knee pad uh, to uh, dismantle the opponent, and he's pointing it out to referee Dennis Stamp. And afterwards, all hell broke loose. And, of course, they, uh, they double-teamed, triple-teamed Dr. X. And as you mentioned, Joe, uh, they gave Ray the nickname the Crippler, Dr. X was going to be taking some time off. This was the storyline. And I believe he did actually need some surgery on his leg. So what better way to set it up on television than to have Ray Stevens jump off the top rope with that horrifying bombs away maneuver onto uh, Dr. Leg, Dr. X's leg, which was tied up in the ropes. And uh, the doc was gone, took some time off from the business, and Ray earned the name The Crippler. And as you said, the rule was changed. A little side note for those that are wondering whether they should get the uh, membership, the, the, the paid memberships to our site. In one of the AWA pay-per-views that we will be showing for our watch along, you can see the incident that Mick was just describing. Ray Stevens coming out and attacking Dr. X. Again, that bastard, <laughs> that dastardly trucker fighter, wild bull rider, that, oh. It, it, it worked, Joe. It was magic. You didn't need all the bells and whistles and pyros and everything else. It was that simple. It was one guy putting another guy on the shelf, uh, you know, and a, as, as was usually the case, it was a guy that was going to be leaving the territory for a while or needed some surgery, so they set up the angle. But, man, did it go over like blockbusters back in the day. Incredible. So there, there you go with that story. If it involved Ray Stevens, it was going to be in – oh, man. All right. Now, <laughs> this, this photograph – You've said many times, Joe, how Ray Stevens was a, was a grown-up teenager and how Ray lived by the sword. And I don't know that I'd ever include grown-up and Ray Stevens in the same sentence, but I know what you're saying. 
Yeah, and and I want you to notice there, there's a little a little blurring at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> uh, the reason for that, and I don't know if Ray's foaming at the mouth or he's got his tongue out there, but Ray Stevens was a professional motorcycle rider and uh, bike rider and whatever. Here, Ray is actually nude, ladies and gentlemen. He's on the bike. He's having a good time. He is totally without clothes. And I don't know if, if Ray was revving up the, the motor on that, you know, 15, 20 times to get the thrill of it or or what it was at that point. But Ray Stevens is not wearing anything there. Uh, oh, my God. You're, you're, I didn't even notice. Like, I would not ever. I was yeah. looking at the upper body. I wasn't even yep. looking at. at the, wow. Yeah. Ray's in his, his birthday suit there, uh, Chris. We got a. Uh, Start. I think we should add a feature into uh, uh, each show and and uh, uh, do a, a poll question. And for this one, you really no, want to not, use the word I don't want to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Ray Stevens' poll. No, but I, <laughs> but I will say, as a multiple choice, A, B, C, and D. How many drinks do you think Ray had before he did this? Well, knowing Ray, I would say this picture is probably first thing in the morning at the crack of dawn, and he has just left the bar not that long ago. Uh, my <laughs> guess is they probably woke him up, got his head off the bar, and said, Ray, it's time to go right right at the, and I, I, again, crack and, and Ray Stevens' poll and everything else, we, we certainly don't want to you know go there, but uh, Ray could, put, could pack him away. He... Uh, he, not necessarily an Andre the Giant, because Ray was not the biggest guy in the world, probably about 5'9", 235, 240 uh, in his day. But Ray enjoyed a beverage. And, Joe, how many times have we talked about Ray smoked? He drank. Uh, he did everything. And he had a heart attack, I believe, in 1994 in the Twin Cities area. And he still didn't slow down. He still did not change his lifestyle. 60 years old is a really young, young age for a guy to go. But Ray went out the same way he came into the business. Talk a little bit about that Ray Stevens laugh. We talk about a, a teenager who loved life. He, I, I've said it so many times on this, on this uh, podcast. He, his laugh was just a deep guttural infectious laugh in fact when i saw him on the motorcycle uh, after my first thought was how many drinks did he have which there's no doubt ray had a couple of cocktails a couple <laughs> of maybe dozen cocktails in him before he did that but after he got off that bike i can just hear that laugh that same laugh that every day ray and i had a contest who could flip the other one off first? And whether Ray did it first to me or I did it first to Ray, it was always followed by that laugh. And if I came in hungover because I had softball the night before or stressed out, you know, because it's going to be interview day and, you know, something is not working properly, all I needed was for Ray to sneak around that corner, flip up that middle finger and say, gotcha, and then just laugh. And anybody, anybody that cross paths 
with Ray the Crippler Stevens outside of the ring, you heard that laugh. You knew that laugh. And if you didn't appreciate that laugh, man, you you, you ain't got shit for a soul because it was... I, I that is a thing that I remember most about Ray is that laugh. And with that, like we saw him riding the motorcycle naked, like we saw or Mick, you had said that he passed away much too early at the age of 60. It's because he was a grown up kid. He didn't give a shit. Ray, sadly, I think he knew that he wasn't going to live into his 80s. Hell. He would have been ecstatic to have lived to his 70s, I think. But that wasn't going to happen because of... <laughs> Look at that face. But because of who Ray was, he just liked... No, he loved to have fun, period. There's one quick story he told me about Andre the Giant that I just got to throw in here. They were wrestling at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. And Ray came stumbling in uh, wee hours of the morning after a night of drinking. And the person at the front desk goes, hey, can you do something about your buddy? Well, Ray looks over and there's Andre passed out in the lobby of the hotel. So as Ray tells the story, he laughed his ass off, of course, but he goes over finds a tablecloth, <laughs> takes the tablecloth off the table, goes over, covers up Andre, goes back to the front desk and there and says, there, now he won't get cold. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can see it. I wasn't there, but I can see it in my head. Um, <laughs> One thing that I remember about Ray and, and Joe, if you saw him back in the day as a heel, when Ray was in the ring, there's a couple of things that I remember. When Ray would throw a punch, he would he, he would hit a guy and he hey, yeah, 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 and he would take a couple three steps backward and then come in again. And when Ray was on the defense, he would backpedal. But he had that smirk. He had that gleam in his eye, even as he's backpedaling as, you know, suddenly a coward in the ring. <laughs> he loved what he did. And Ray was a tough guy. I mean, let's not make any bones about it. For his size and his stature and all the joking around and everything else that he did outside the ring, Again, this is a motorcycle guy. This is a, a bull rider. This is a cowboy. This is one tough son of a bitch. And nobody screwed around with Ray Stevens. And Ray did not shy away from confrontation. Yeah, and anybody anybody that got involved with that, feeling sorry for you, man, because Ray could take care of himself very easily. As we take a look at uh, the picture of Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson, and again, you talk about a legendary tag team, one of the greatest, again, top five tag teams of all time. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when they came to the AWA and teamed up in the 1970s, uh, late 70s, of course, they had already had a ton of experience as a team uh, behind them out on the West Coast and, and literally all over the world. 
uh, Stevens and Patterson, Bockwinkel and Stevens, no matter how you toss the dice, uh, you had some legendary stuff. Uh, I just want to, as an aside, uh, that Paul Perchman story that I have talked about before. Uh, Paul Perchman, Playboy Buddy Rose, when he first came, this is the, the, the humorous side of Ray Stevens. Uh, when, when Paul got into the business, he was in a, uh, I believe, a tag team match in St. Paul. And Paul is standing on the ring apron, and he's going to slingshot a guy who's in the ring off the top rope, you know, by the neck. Well, as he does, then Paul descends, or he's going to jump down to the floor. Well, he didn't know that there was a steel folding chair on the way down from the ring apron to the floor. And his leg went right through that steel folding chair, which buckled on Paul's leg and opened up a massive gash. I mean, from, from shin to knee, he was torn up. You could see the agony that he was in. Well, Dr. Ray Stevens, God bless him. You know, Ray, who apparently was was an, an ER guy or an EMS guy, we didn't know about that. Uh, when Paul got back to the locker room, Ray said, you know, you know, it goes well on that. You put a little alcohol, you clean it out. And Ray grabbed a bottle of Brut Cologne and shook it onto this open, gaping wound of Paul Persman, Playboy Buddy Rose, who knew that Ray was also a, a, a medical tech? Well, he did stay at a Holiday Inn Express once, so he qualified. <laughs> Good point. Uh, Chris, I know you want to talk about the Heenan family. Yeah, to me, this is kind of one of the, the big things that the, the casual fan for myself, we remember about being part of the Heenan family and then the turn. And I... Well, why don't you guys take kind of take us through that timeline and ultimately his feud with the Heenan family and then all of a sudden how it was later forgotten in the annals of AWA history. Imagine that, you know, a wrestling a wrestling angle being totally forgotten at the whim of a promotion. But it was I mean it, it was so good. It's one of them that I hear about and you see the the video and you're like it was done really really well from what I understand. Bobby Heenan had been in and out of the AWA since the 1960s. He was gone when Bockwinkel and Stevens first teamed up here for the first couple of years. And then in 1974, about the time that uh, the High Flyers were starting to make their mark in wrestling as the, the top babyface team around these parts, um, all of a sudden, Nick Bockwinkel and Ray Stevens, who are tired of all the double dealings by the promoters, they're tired of the contracts being switched around, not signed, and their payoffs and everything else, and their flights are being canceled, and oh, blah, 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 the whole conspiracy against Nick and Ray. Well, they had to go out, and they had to get a guy that would watch over all the little minute details, and that was Bobby the Brain Heenan. They, bought, they brought Bobby in. What I mean, if you're going to go to a guy that you know you can trust, the first guy that you would think of would be Bobby Heenan. Bobby, of course, managed Nick and Ray, Bockwinkle, Stevens, and Heenan, uh, part of the, the Heenan family, along with Blackjack Lanza, Bobby Duncan. Pure magic in the AWA and into the WWA. All of a sudden, and Joe, you can pick it up from here, we got an awards ceremony with Bill Apter from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, 
uh, in the ring, but set up what had been going on for a couple of weeks prior prior to this moment. Well, the the Nick and Bobby did the old uh, Wayne Train Bloom. I got this on Ray the Crippler Stevens. They would do their promos. Ray would be in the background, and then Ray would try to say something. And it was either the interview was over or Nick and Bobby would say, hey, Bray, hold on a sec, hold on a sec, I'm talking, that type of thing. So they were building up by the, you know, the AWA, they were building up this tension that was happening within the Heenan family. And in this photo right here, Bill Apter was presenting Bobby the Brain Heenan with yet another Manager of the Year award. And by the way, that's Roger Kent in the gold jacket, George Scrapiron Godaski in the stripes, little Bill Apter in the tan leisure suit, which is real big in the 70s. And this was, I'm guessing, looking by what Nick is doing, Ray wanted to say something. And Nick was saying, hey, hold on a sec. This, you know, this is Bobby's time type of a thing. Ray had had enough, enough of this bullshit. He attacks Bobby the Brain Heenan. He attacks Nick Bockwinkle. And as about a 12 or 13-year-old at the time, I was happy as hell because finally, finally, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Nick Bockwinkle got the shit kicked out of them and got what they deserved. And they couldn't come back, at least during that time, they couldn't come back against Ray Stevens. Now, I'm agreeing with you, Mick, that it was sad in hindsight that the split happened because in my opinion, that was the greatest tag team that was managed by the greatest manager well, greatest overall performer in professional wrestling in Bobby the Brain Heenan. You put those three together, it did not get any better than that, and it does not get any better than that. You know, Joe, in this day and age, the way they the way they set it up back then with not letting Ray talk, now everybody would be all over it. Now they would say, ah, oh, you know, this is we can see this coming a mile away. Back then you couldn't see it coming a mile away. And here's just a, a little aside. Again, it's weeks and weeks of Ray trying to say something. At the end of the interview, they're out of time. And Ray has this quizzical look on his face like, what the fuck just happened here? You know, these guys just talked. I can't get a word in. So they're all, con the Heenan family is congratulating Bobby Heenan on the award. And if you're really a student paying really close attention, I get such a kick out of this video. Because Ray knows damn well he's not going to be able to talk. So when it's finally his turn, Ray says, Bobby, let me be the first to congratulate you. And he kind of mumbles at the end because he knows Bobby's going to cut him off as part of the script. So he's not saying anything. Uh, but it is just classic. And when they turned on Ray, uh, and God, I love this picture. That goes back to the you know mid 1970s. Nick and Ray, one of the spot shows, uh, probably in in Illinois or Wisconsin, uh, tag team champions, Bockwinkle and Stevens. But the feud commenced, and Ray actually teamed up with Vern Gagne uh, while the the short time that he was a babyface. But he feuded with Nick all over the horn. 
uh, for for a while. And uh, Ray, of course, got the adulation of the crowd, never won a championship or anything like that. Broke my heart again because, as you said, Joe, this is the dismantling of one of the greatest factions in the history of wrestling, along with Bobby Heenan. Um, but the interesting thing was, and we've talked about this before, a couple of years later, Bockwinkle and Stevens are teaming up again in the AWA, and nobody mentioned the fact that they had split up. Uh, Bobby, Bobby Heenan, the feud uh, never happened. Uh, there's another classic picture. We're kind of, you know, going back chronologically a little bit. But what a great old school picture. Oh, my God. This is from Chicago. And that's Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch, Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens. I want to say 1973, 72, 73-ish, uh, back in the glory days. And then, of course, at the end of his run, if you remember when Nick lost the title uh, to Kurt Hennig, you know, Ray Stevens is there doing commentary at ringside. And all of a sudden, you know, Ray kind of became the babyface. And he and Nick are, are protesting to Stanley Blackburn that the roll of quarters was used, you know. Roll of dimes. Uh, yeah, roll of dimes. You're right. Quarters would have killed him. But uh, but uh, I just don't uh, think Vern wanted to spend ten bucks for a roll of quarters. Uh, you know, know what? Your abs, was it wasn't in the budget. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, but and and again, this is this is heartbreaking to me. But man, they they took it around the horn. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens, even when they were a team, Joe, you know the divergent personalities. You had the suave, debonair, astute, learned Nick Bockwinkle. And you had this rough, tough cowboy, uh, Ray the Crippler Stevens, this fun-loving rodeo guy. Uh, so when they got into the ring against each other, as much as I hated it, it was a natural. Uh, God bless them both. It was, I, I referred to it earlier, the, the joy that I had on that turn. Um, and it, it, admittedly, I was a young kid you know, a young, young teenager about at the time and no internet, not smartened up to the fact I was a loyal watcher of the AWA. And that turn at that time to me was the greatest turn that I had seen. Of course, I'm going to go with the Blackwell baby face turn years later. That's my top one. Look at this. Mm. Now, when we were together with uh, Lanise and Hank Henning this past Saturday, that was 21 years to the day that Kurt had passed away. And I'm looking at this, knowing that Ray passed away in 96. This has got to be, shit, maybe 93? I would I would guess, yeah, because you got Pat, who was clearly uh, working in the WWE office at the time, and Kurt is, you know, in his uh, Mr. Perfect persona there. Uh, so I would say, yeah, chronologically, you're probably spot on. Oh, God. And all three of them are are gone as well. But that's why we do this, to, to bring up those legends, the stars that have been in the AWA. And a quick little side note. So we were talking earlier about the, uh, the tag team match against the High Flyers. Hmm. That's uh, that might be part of a watch along talking about Ray the Crippler Stevens turning on the Heenan family. Hmm. I think that's going to be a part of a watch along. 
I would shameless plug, but hey, I'm just telling you, if you want to see it, here's some behind the scenes stories in our commentary about it. We got it. I've seen this picture before, oh, Mick. Oh, this is classic. And I am going, I would bet everything that I own that Ray is hungover. No, I take that back. He's still drunk. Well, they're at a McDonald's, I believe, on the road. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no boulders went through the window this time. But uh, uh, Nick and Ray, uh, you talk about the friendship on the road. That picture was taken by our dear friend, Joyce Postion. And, uh, again, I look at that picture, and, my God, I talk about emotional. Uh, great stuff, great friends. Um, in conclusion, you know, I, I think we're kind of being redundant if we talk about the legacy of Ray Stevens because we talked so much at the beginning about how good he was and what a trendsetter. And we don't want to overdo this, but we want to overdo this to get the point across. Ray Stevens was phenomenal in the ring. Uh, if you're a fan of the flippy flop stuff of today, you know, and everything being scripted, Okay, well, you know, that's your thing. Okay. But back in the day when men were men in this business and, and it was tough guys, mano a mano, the legacy that Ray Stevens leaves uh, and watch that Ric Flair flip into the turnbuckle. Anytime you saw that, you saw Ray Stevens. Uh, you saw all, all the guys coming off the top rope. Ladies and gentlemen, Ray Stevens was the innovator. His legacy cannot be diminished. It's just phenomenal. You know, I was happy to know that he at least got a legacy induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, I I have to say that I don't think that that was uh, it, it was understating by putting him in as a legacy and not putting him in as part of the main show because Ray the Crippler Stevens deserves to be, as you said earlier, Mick in every professional wrestling hall of fame there is no questioning that he was that fucking good joe you were friends with him i was more of a co-worker uh, i had ray on my show a couple of times but always so much fun to talk to and so respectful and you could pick ray's brain about the business and and never get tired. We could do months on Ray Stevens. That's how damn good he was. What, I, what I love about, well, I was going to say, what I love about this show, guys, is I, I can see Ray Stevens with the Heenan family, Stevens and Bockwinkle, Stevens and Patterson. Like he was just where he went, wherever he was, he was just, he was synonymous and he was over. And he's got so many you could look at him in, with, you know, several different memories, depending on where you're at or where you're from. Everybody's going to have a memory or at least no Ray Stevens connected with somebody or something. So he's never going to be forgotten. Chris, I think, you know, the, the intention of this show, especially to a guy like you, you know, and when you started following wrestling closely and you swallow up history, I mean, I, I love that about you. You are just you, you want to learn about this business, and I know we've overstated it here. Honest to God, Ray Stevens was so incredible and, and such a, a trendsetter and a trailblazer in this business. One of the all-time greats, period.
Yeah, and I, sadly, I think he gets overlooked sometimes uh, in the business because he it, – it's easy to. When you're with Nick Bockwinkle and mm-hmm. Bobby the Brain Heenan um, in a three-person faction, if you will. It's, e- it's easy to be overlooked because the other two shine so much. Exactly. Yeah. But, that I, you know, maybe that's why uh, – and I'll, I'll just speak for myself. That's why – I might be a little bit over the top in my praise for Ray the Crippler Stevens, but he does truly deserve it. Do yourselves a favor. First of all, subscribe so you can see some of the matches that I was talking about. But failing that, go on to YouTube, find some old Ray the Crippler Stevens matches, and he... Wrestling against Ray back in those days was an art. It was calling the matches. You know, you knew what the finish was going to be. You might, you know, say a couple of high spots and, you know, after you do this, I'm going to do my, you know, the my, my turnbuckle gimmick. But Ray could just step into that ring and deliver, period. Mm-hmm. There you go. Absolutely. Let's uh, give some shout outs here, guys, and then we will, uh, we will take it home. Uh, Mick, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? My good buddy, uh, former uh, comedian, stand-up comic slash mailman slash all-around great guy, Joe Tanner, a long, long-time AWA fan, follows us diligently, loved the guy to death. Joe, hats off to you. My shout-out goes to somebody who never wrestled in the AWA, but after this past weekend, I think he deserves a shout out. I'm talking about Brett, the hitman heart. So he misses his flight to come to the casino, Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, and gets they get him another flight. He goes to Atlanta, then from Atlanta to Minneapolis, because that's the only flight and the soonest that they could get him in in time to still appear after the matches to do his meet and greet he shows up doesn't complain apologizes and says i will stay for as long as you need me for any of the old wrestlers former wrestlers that are listening to this follow that lead the fans are why you are over if it wasn't for the fans you would not have had your career. You would not have your glory. So respect the fans because they made you with your talent. And they, he could have easily just canceled or said he couldn't make it because apparently he had something the next day, a Super Bowl party at his restaurant in Calgary. But he made it. He was there for the fans and... It was. It's incredible when you see somebody that's willing to keep the commitment like that. And, and, and one yeah. a.m., one yeah. o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning, like, still still signing after a long day, but doing it because of the fans. So after, I think that's a, a great shout out. I'm going to go with the outdated wrestling hour with Bob Smith. You know, we're really proud of what we do here, guys. But we've got some of our friends have fantastic products as well. Great. Uh, old school wrestling podcast. Check him out. The outdated wrestling hour with Bob Smith. It's a, it's a great podcast, you know, it, about an hour long or so. 
uh, just like ours, but you will not regret it. So, uh, Bob, uh, here's for you. And if you love this, then uh, you guys are going to really enjoy Bob's as well. Uh, like Joe said, we want to continue to ask you guys to become a member. We're going to have watch-alongs, like uh, Joe said. The only way that you can get that is become a pinfall member, a pinfall uh, member, not a subscriber, not to the YouTube, but that's going to be $4.99 a month. You can see all of that stuff that we're going to put out there. Some interviews coming up. Uh, you want some Unleashed swag, a Slick Mick uh, coffee cup. Uh, go to T Public Unleash Plus. We've got uh, information and uh, we got some products there. But I know, guys, um, I don't know who wants the last word. But again, this was today was all about Ray the Crippler Stevens. That's the last word right there. 